With Hashem's assistance, we are learning about Bekamadav Memhei, page 45. We begin at the very bottom of Memdalad Amabez, page 44b, the last line, Gimara. Tanarabban, we learn the Nabraisa. Shorshahimis, you have an ox that caused death. Actually, Nigmar Dinoi, as long as the animal, they haven't made the final decree about it in court. Machray Machor. So, before that stage, so the owner still has the ability to sell it. If it's sold, in fact, the sale is, it works. And Rashi says, what is the difference according to the rabbis? So, even if it's sold, so it's still going to be killed. The difference is, explains Rashi, that the, the person who bought it can make use of the animal for whatever, for whatever reason, if he needs to plow with the animal. If the person donated it to the temple, so it's considered donated, and if anybody wants to get any benefit from it, it's considered that they benefited from something which belongs to the temple, they'll have to bring a special sacrifice for doing such a thing. If he slaughtered it, so the flesh is not considered forbidden, it's permitted to eat. If, let's say, there was somebody watching the animal, and the animal became mood, and it had become sentenced to death, and now the person who was watching the animal wants to return it to the original owners, so he still has the ability to do that as long as there was no final decree from the court. So, however, if it's already been decreed from the court that the animal must be killed, if he tries to sell it, it doesn't work. If he tries to donate it to the temple, it doesn't work. If he slaughters it, the flesh is considered forbidden, you can't get any benefit from it. If the whole story that happened while it was being watched by someone, and that person tries after the Gemardin, after the decree, he tries to return it back to the original owners, you can't return it. It remains the responsibility of the person who was watching it. Rabbi Yaakov, Rabbi Yaakov says, He says that in regards to a case where there was somebody watching it, the person can still return that thing to the, to the owners, the ox to the owners. It's considered returned. and It'll be the responsibility of the owners. They're going to lose out, and not the Shomer, not the person who's watching it. Let us say that this argument between Rabbi Yaakov and the rabbis is in the following point. The Rabban and Savri, why do the rabbis say that once there's already a decree on the animal, it can no longer be returned to the original owners? Because they hold, When it comes to something that was borrowed, the classic case is Chametz on Pesach, where we have some bread that was borrowed, Ruvain lent Shimon some bread before the Passover holiday. And then, once you have bread, if it's in the possession of a Jew during Passover, so by the end of Passover, so it becomes forbidden from getting any kind of benefit. So now Ruvain comes to Shimon and says, I lent you bread before Passover, I want you to return bread. But I don't want the bread that, that I gave you because that's forbidden from getting any kind of benefit from it. So, so I want you to give me something, I want you to replace it with something of equal value. So Shimon says, no, take the thing that's in, take it as it is. I'm, it doesn't look any different than it looked before, just because you can't get any benefit from it. So that's the classic case of something which is Yisuri Hana. It became forbidden from getting benefit from it. So the issue is, does the person who borrowed it have the right to say to the person we borrowed it from, here's your thing, or does he not? So what we're saying is, it's the same issue over here, because this animal now, after I borrowed it, so it killed someone, and now there's an obligation for the animal to be killed, and you can't get any benefit from it. So do I have the ability, the right, as the person who borrowed it, or was watching it, to say to the person who I borrowed it from, or was watching it for, here, I take your thing back and I'm returning it. So we're explaining over here that the Rabbis who say that you cannot return it, the person who's watching it can't return it, it's because there's a concept when it comes to something that was borrowed and it became forbidden from getting any benefit from it, you cannot say, here's your thing, you have to replace it with what you got originally. Rabbi Yaakov Sava, Rabbi Yaakov holds, no, you can return it, why? When it comes to something which is forbidden from getting any benefit from it, you can still say to the guy, listen, take your thing. 
it's it's true that you can't get any benefit from it anymore. But as far as I'm concerned, it looks exactly the same as when I borrowed it. Amar Rabba. So Rabba says the Kuliyama. Everyone agrees this is not this is not what they're arguing about. Everyone agrees. That in fact, when it comes to something which has become forbidden from getting any benefit from it, you can return it and say this is your thing and take it as it is. because if they did argue about this, we should find that Rabbi Yaakov and the rabbis argue at the main thing. The main place where we find this issue is in regards to somebody who borrowed something which was chametz, which was like bread, and Passover passed over it. And so they should argue in that case, but they don't. So it must be that they agree in regards to this case. Rather, what is the argument about whether the shom or whether the person who's watching it has the ability to return it? It has to do with the fact whether or not we need the ox to be around in the court when the when the judgment is happening. As follows. The rabbis hold when they say that the the person who's guarding it cannot give it back. The reason is it starts with the fact that the ox, they're not going to judge about it unless it's in front of the court, the ox itself. So what, what does that help us? The Amar lay, because now the person who, it's the owner of the ox, can say to the person who was watching it, If you had originally returned it before the court got a hold of it, I would have sent it to a place where the court wouldn't have been able to find it, and thus the court wouldn't have been able to convene about my animal, and they wouldn't have been able to t- to, to say that my animal has chayv misa, that has to be killed. Now you, it's your fault that they convened, it's your fault that they got a hold of the ox, and that they said that this ox has to be killed. So now you have to take responsibility for that, and you have to return to me an animal, which is a full-fledged animal. You can't get away with it, you can't just return it to me and make me responsible, says the guy who, who the animal belongs to. Rabbi Yaakov Sovar, Rabbi Yaakov holds, no, the guy has no such time, he can't say this. And the Shomer, the person who's watching it, has the ability to return it. Why? Because he holds, He holds that, in fact, the, the court would be able to convene even if the ox wasn't there, wasn't on the spot. The Amar lay, because now the person who's watching it can say he has a taina back to the person who it belongs to. Soif, soif. In the end, all Migmar have a gamri leledina. They would have, no matter what, done it. They would have gone, even if the animal wasn't around, they would have convened, and they would have, even if I gave it back to you before, you would have had a liability, you would have had to bring the animal, it would have been killed. So therefore, the Shomer, before and after, the person who's watching it, he has the ability to return it, no matter if it's before the Gemara, before the final decree, or after the final decree. My time at the Rabban, where did the rabbis get it from that they hold that it can only be done in front of the ox, the court can only convene if the ox is around? Because the verse is as follows, There's a comparison between killing a person, which here is referred to as love, the owners, and killing an animal. There's a certain similarity to the way that we would convene the court in regards to a person who's getting killed, or there's a possibility he'll get killed, as well as the, the animal that's getting killed. Just like a person has to be done in front of them, the person has to be there in the court when they're convening and speaking about whether he's going to get misa liability for death. So too, an ox has to be done in front of him. Rabbi Yaakov, Rabbi Yaakov says, no, we, we wouldn't say that. There's a reason that when it comes to a person, you need to do it in front of the person. Because since he's somebody who can say something for himself, he can defend himself, so it makes sense that the court has to do it in front of him. The, con- the, the court has to convene in front of the person himself. But when it comes to an ox, there's no reason that the court should have to have him in front of the court. What, the ox is going to say some kind of time for himself? He's going to defend himself? That doesn't make sense. Therefore, according to Rabbi Yaakov, it's not necessary for the ox to be there in front of them.
the Gemara continues, In the mission we brought down, that if a person gave it over to these different people who can watch it, so there's going to be an obligation on the person who's watching it to have to pay for any kind of damages. We have a b'risa. There were four different people that enter in place, they have responsibility in place of the original owners. And these are they. Someone who's watching it without getting paid. Someone who borrows it. Someone who's getting paid to watch it. And someone who's renting whatever it is. We're talking about an ox here. Hargu If let's say while it was under this person's watch, the animal we're talking about is a tame animal, it went and it killed somebody. So now there's an obligation for the animal to be killed. However, since it's tame, so there's no obligation for the shomer, for the person who's watching it, to have to pay the kofar. Muadin, let's say the animal is wild, Neharagin, Mashaman is a kaifer. So then the animal is killed, and the person who's watching it has to pay the kofer. Vechayovin lahachser, they make sure lebailov. And there's going to be an obligation for the person who was supposed to be watching it, now the animal is gone, so he has to make sure to give back the value of the ox to the original owners. Except for the case where the person who was watching it was not getting paid to watch it. Now we need to understand why is that the exception, and the Gemara is about to explain. Amri, hechidami. The Gemara says, what is the case? If he had, in fact, done some kind of watching and made sure that the animal not go out and cause damage and it went out anyway, so there should be no obligation ever in any of the cases. Forget about it. If he's a he's not getting paid. Even if he's getting paid to watch it. If he watched it properly and it was completely out of his control, he doesn't have an obligation to pay. And if he didn't watch it properly, so even if he's, even if he's not getting paid to watch it, if he accepted responsibility, he has to make sure he watches it. So if he didn't watch it at all, he's going to have an obligation. So what's the, why is there a difference? What's the case over here? The case is where he did some kind of watching, but not a strong watching. What does that mean? So Rashi explains, as he's explained elsewhere, that this means that he put up a wall in front of it. The wall could stand in a normal wind, but it's not the kind of wall that could stand in a very strong wind. And what do you know? Came a very strong gust, not to be expected, a hurricane, it blew down the wall, the animal went out and caused damage. So now, so in regards to the person who's not getting paid to watch, so he's done his bit. He's done what he has to do. He did it as best as he can. He didn't have to be worried that perhaps a hurricane would come in. So therefore, he doesn't have, an, he doesn't have a liability to pay. But in regards to the other cases where you're getting paid, so you're getting paid for a reason. You're getting paid to make sure that you do an extra watching and make sure that the animal is really protected. So now that the animal is being killed, so the, the shomer, the person who's guarding it, has to give back the money to the original owners. That's their obligation. Now we're going to challenge what we just said. Because basically what we just said, and it's important that we see that there are two different things. We have, first of all, we have the obligation of the person who's watching the animal to the person who he's watching the animal for. Then there's also an obligation of the person who's watching the animal to the person who the animal caused damage to. Okay, there are two separate points. We need to see that there's a distinction. So in regards to the person who he's watching the animal for, so we said that since he did a Shemir Pachusa, since he did a week watching, so that's enough if he's a Shomer Chinam, if he's a person who's not getting paid to watch. Right? That's what we established, that's why it's different in that case. But now we say, Amri Keman, but who does this come out like? Because there's another obligation. The obligation is in regards to the person we cause damage to. If there's a week watching, so not everyone agrees that an animal that's wild has to pay the cost 
kofer, we said in the Bryce that there's an obligation for the person who's watching the animal to pay this kofer to the person that got killed, right? So, Iker Rabbi Meir, so if it's indeed like Rabbi Meir, because Rabbi Meir is the one who says that if you don't watch the animal, you'd only watch it a shmir pchusa, a week watching, so then there's going to be an obligation to pay the kofer. So that works out fine. So we understand why there's an obligation. We turn to Memheim with base page 45b. But he says something else, the Amar Soicher Kishamachinam. He also says something else which is very important that we understand in regards to the relationship, the, the liability for the person who's watching it, in regards to the person he's watching it for. So he says that a person who's renting is similar to a person who's not getting paid to watch. Dummy, it is. Listen, so it should say that there's no obligation if he watched it weekly, in, both in regards to the person who's not getting paid to watch it, and in regards to the person who's renting it, because he holds that they have the same level of liability. So already we can't say it's Rabbi Meir. And if it's like Rabbi Yehuda, who says that a person who's renting it is not comparable to a person, he doesn't have the same level of liability as a person who's not getting paid to watch it. Rather, a person who's renting it, he's more similar to a person who's getting paid to watch it. There's a higher level of liability. So we can get away with this part where we're saying that a person who's not getting paid to watch, he's a separate thing. However, there's another part to it. According to Rabbi Yehuda, if you do a shmir pchus, if you do a week watching, there's not going to be an obligation in regards to a wild animal to pay kofar. But in the Brisa, we see that there is. So, so what's going on? Our Brisa doesn't work out like anyone. He says like this, Ha'mani, who is the Bryce of Rabbi Lazar? It's a third shita. It's Rabbi Lazar. He holds that in regards to an obligation in regards to other people, meaning the person who got killed, that obligation is going to be no matter what, even if you did a great watching. He holds the only way to watch an animal is to put a knife to its neck. Otherwise, even if you did the best watching and the animal broke out, you're going to still have a liability. You're still going to have an obligation to pay. So therefore, that's why there's an obligation to pay the kofar, because it's like Rabbi Lazar. And in regards to what's the level of liability of a person who's renting, he holds like Rabbi Yehuda, who says that a person who's renting is similar to a person who's getting paid to watch. It's the same level of liability, and therefore Shomer Chinam, a person who's not getting paid to watch, is the only one that will not have a liability to pay back the person who he's watching it for, and therefore that's why we separate those things. So therefore it comes a very nice according to Rabbi Lazar. Abaye Amar, Abaye offers us a different possibility. Really, I'll tell you, it is indeed Rabbi Meir. So we had this issue, right? We said it works out nicely according to Rabbi Meir, why the person, the, the Shomer, the person who's guarding, has an obligation to pay to the person who got killed. He has to pay the kofar. Why? Because Rabbi Meir holds, if you have a wild animal, you did a Shemir Pchusa, a week watching, there is an obligation. We said that the problem is that according to Rabbi Meir, so a Socher, a person who's renting, is similar to a person who's a Shomer Chinam, has a similar level of liability as a person who's not getting paid to watch. So we said, why was Shomer Chinam singled out? Why, when a person is not getting paid to watch, is he the only one who doesn't have an obligation? If so, a person who's renting is the same as him, right? That was the question. So we can answer as follows. The way that Rabbi Baravua switches it around and learns the Brisa, he says that Rabbi Meir didn't say that. He says like this, In regards to a person who's renting, how does he pay? In this version, so Rabbi Meir says that in fact we compare a person who's renting to a person who's getting paid to watch. And therefore, Shemichinam, a person who's not getting paid to watch, can stand on its own, according to Rabbi Meir, in this version, which is Rabbi Baravua's version. Rabbi Yehuda, and in this version, so Rabbi Yehuda is the one who says that a person who's renting is similar to a person who's not getting paid to watch. And therefore, the Brisa can indeed work out according to Rabbi Meir.
The Gemara continues with a new case. Amar Rulazar, Rulazar says, If let's say somebody gives over his ox to watch to a person who's not getting paid to watch it. Hezik, if the animal caused damage, chayiv. There's an obligation on the person who's watching it to pay for the damages. Huzak, but if the animal itself got damaged, putter. Then there's no obligation on the person who's watching it to pay for those damages to the original owner. Amri, so the Gemara says, we say as follows. Hechidami, what's the case? If he accepted upon himself to watch for any kind of damages, so even if the animal got damaged, the person who's watching should also have an obligation to pay. If the person did not accept upon himself to be in charge to make sure that there are no damages that occur in the vicinity of this animal, so even if it caused damage, there should be an obligation. What's the case? How can we split this up? The case is in fact talking about where he accepted upon himself to, to watch out for any kind of damages. What's the case? That the person who's watching it, he noticed right away, this animal is a wild, goring animal. And therefore, when he accepted upon it upon himself to watch the animal, he thinks in his head, What's he accepting upon himself? That this animal shouldn't go and cause damage to anyone else. But he doesn't even think that another animal is going to be able to get in shooting distance of this animal. This animal is a crazy animal. So he figures that no other animal is going to start up. They have to be crazy. They have to be out of their minds to start up with this animal. So he doesn't think that the animal is going to get damaged. So therefore he doesn't even accept upon himself the responsibility to watch out and make sure that this animal is not going to get damaged. And therefore he doesn't have any responsibility. That's the explanation of the case. We continue with the Mishnah. If the owners tied up the animal with a rope, and they locked the door in front of the animal as is appropriate, and Rashi explains that we're talking about here a case of Shmira Pchusa, a weak watching, meaning they put up a wall that would stand in a, in a regular wind, but not a wall that would stand in a very strong wind. The Yatsa Vehizik, and then the animal went out and caused damage. So Rabbi Meir holds where you did a Shmir Pchusa, a weak watching, so there's going to be an obligation whether the animal is tame, whether the animal is wild. Rabbi Yehuda, I mean, Rabbi Yehuda says, Tam Yes, there's an obligation in regards to a tame animal, Umud Pater. But in regards to a wild animal, there is no obligation when you did weak watching, you did some watching, right? Shnemar, how does he know it? Because the verse says, that when is there an obligation to pay when the animal is wild? If the owners didn't watch it. And here they did do some kind of watching. So therefore, according to Rabbi Yehuda, there's no obligation in regards to a wild animal if they did some kind of watching. Rabbi Lazar Amir, in Shmir el and Rabbi Lazar says, not only if you did a weak watching is there an obligation, even if you do a strong watching, the, the wall's indestructible. It doesn't matter. If the animal goes out and causes damage, there's an obligation on the owner to pay. The only way to prevent your animal from ha- causing you any kind of liability is to take a knife and put it to the neck of the animal and kill that animal. That's the only way to watch your animal so it doesn't cause any damage and so it doesn't cause you any obligation to pay for those damages. We begin the Gemara. My time with the Rebbe Meir. What's the reason of Rebbe Meir? Why does he say that if you do a Shmir Pchusa, a weaker watching, both in regards to a tame animal and a wild animal, that there is an obligation? Because he, he learns as follows. When the Torah speaks to people, so it's speaking to people who don't usually watch their oxen. They let their oxen walk around freely. 
tam nichayv. And the Torah says that a tame animal, there's an obligation to pay for its damages. What is it coming to say? That you have to have a minimum level of watching. You have to at least put up a wall that wouldn't, that wouldn't fall down in a regular wind. Now that the Torah goes and says that there's an obligation further to watch it in regards to the wild animal, this teaches you that there's another level, that you have to do it even, you have to put up a wall that's even stronger than that, that wouldn't even fall down in an unusual wind. And Rabbi Meir holds that we compare a tame animal to a wild animal from the fact that it says it says the word twice it's teaching you that there are two types of gorings that are similar when there's a tame animal goring and a wild animal goring thus we see that both of them require a higher level of shmir of watching Rabbi Yehuda Savar so how does Rabbi Yehuda understand everything? When the Torah is talking to people it's talking to people who usually do in fact do some kind of watching a lower level of watching but people don't just let their oxen walk around without any responsibility Now the Torah says to this person who does some kind of watching he says if you're talking about a tame animal you're going to have to pay even if you did this lower level of watching because you need to do an even better level of watching you have to put up a wall that will never fall down even in a very strong wind. Now when the Torah says again, that you have to watch it also in regards to a wild animal, what, is it going to come to teach us that we need a strong watching also in regards to a wild animal? This is saying the same thing twice. You have, we're, we're coming to say a new thing, which we already said. We already know this. Whenever you have the Torah repeating something, saying a similar concept, saying you need to do a stronger thing, it's coming to actually say in the second thing, you need to do a weaker thing. So from the fact that the Torah repeated is saying that it's not necessary to do such a strong watching in regards to a wild animal. So that's why in regards to a tame animal, you have to do a very strong watching. In regards to a wild animal, it's enough to do a weaker watching according to Yehuda. Vichitema. So Gemara says, wait, hold on a second. If you want to say negichalatam negichalamuad, we have that verse of ibenigach basigach, two types of gorings that are the same, right? The wild goring and the tame goring. So why don't we say that they should be the same? How can you make tam that it does require a stronger watching and a, and a muad? It doesn't require a stronger watching. How can you separate them? The Torah seems to imply that they need to be the same. So the Gemara says, hamiyat rachmana v'leish merenu. This is excluded by the fact that the Torah says you shall not watch it in regards to a wild animal. It says you shall not watch it. This type of watching that we're talking about is only in regards to a wild animal. It's coming to exclude that it's only in regards to a wild animal that it's enough to do a weaker watching, but not in regards to a tame animal. The Gemara says, wait, we need this verse for itself. You can't make an extra drasha to teach you it's excluding something else if we need the verse to teach you that in regards to a wild animal, you have to watch it. That's what it's teaching you. The Gemara says, wait, if it was just coming to teach us that you have to watch the wild animal, this weaker watching, so the Torah could have just written, if he didn't watch, then there's an obligation. What does it mean when it says, you shall not watch it? The word it is extra. The, the letters nun vav mean it. Why, why do you have to say that? So it's coming to teach you from the extra letters, from the extra word it, that it's only in regards to it, a wild animal, that you can have a lower level of watching, that it's enough. But in regards to a tame animal, then that's not going to be enough, in fact. Tanya, we have a Bryce that brings down a fourth opinion. Rebbelezer ben Yaakov says, Whether we're talking about a tame animal or a wild animal, and you did a weak watching, putter, there's no obligation to pay at all. My taima, what's the reason of Rebbelezer ben Yaakov? So in a certain respect, he holds like Rebbelezer He says that in regards to a wild animal, it's enough to do a weak watching. 
And he learns it out that it extends not just to wild animals, but it extends also to a tame animal. From the fact that it says, that teaches you that they're the same and we don't make a distinction, and both of them need a lower level of watching. That's Rabbi Lazar ben Yaakov. Amar of Adabar Ava, Rav Adabar Ava t- tells us something else. Loipata Rabbi Yehuda, when Rabbi Yehuda says that there's no obligation when you did a weeker watching, it's only true Elatzad HaAdashaboy, only in regards to the amount of money that's added on now that it became wood, that it became wild. Avaltzad Tamus, but in regards to the half of the money that you've been paying until now, you've been paying half when it was tame. So Bimkami Amedas, that amount remains in its place, and therefore, even though you did a Shmir Pchusa a weaker watching, and that's enough to get you out of having to pay for the for the wood part of it, for the part that's paid because it's wild, but the other half which you've been paying until now, so you still will have an obligation to pay that half according. To According to Rabbi Yehuda, Amar Rav. Rav says, "Muud lekaren yamin, ainai muud lekaren smile." This is something very interesting. If let's say you have an animal that has consistently gored with its right horn and not with its left horn, so it's only considered muud. It's only considered wild in regards to its right horn and not in regards to its left horn. Thus, if it gores with its left horn, it's going to be considered a tame animal, and you're not going to have to pay the full damages. Now, interestingly, as Rashi explains, there's also going to be a ramification in regards to the level of shmira, of how hard you have to watch it, how well you have to watch it. You have to do an extra shmira. Well, for one horn, it's considered wild. For the other horn, it's considered tame. So, what level of watching do you have to do? Amri aliba deman. So, we say as follows. According to whom is Rav speaking? If he's speaking according to Rabbi Meir, according to Rabbi Meir, there's no difference whether the animal is a tame animal or a wild animal. Either way, you need to do a full-fledged watching. So there's no difference between the horns as far as the level of watching that's necessary. So now, according to Rabbi Yehuda, though, my area Karen smile. True that there's a distinction in regards to Amud a wild animal and a tame animal as far as how what the level is of watching. However, if we think about it, true in the left horn, so it's considered a tame animal. But let's think about the right horn. As we just said, Rav Adabar Ahava said, according to Rabbi Yehuda, so if an animal is wild, there's part of the money, half of the money, you're paying because of the tame aspect of it, the money that you've been paying until now. And it also has a part which is mud. So therefore, no matter what, whether you're talking about the left horn or the right horn, you're going to still have to do a shmira meula. You're still going to have to do a full-fledged watching because even if it scores with the right horn, you're going to still have to pay for the sad tamashavo, the, the, the money that has to do with the fact that it's tame. It's like a continuation of the tame aspect of it. Where it says, So really we could say that Rav is speaking and there's, there is a distinction in regards to the level of watching that's necessary and it goes according to Rabbi Yehuda. And Rav doesn't hold like Rav Adabar Ava. He doesn't hold that the Tzad Tamus, the side, that ha- the, that half of it continues to be like the tame aspect of it. And this is what he says, What he's saying is beautiful. It's very nice. The only place that you can have a case where you have an animal which is split, so to speak, between a tame aspect and a wild aspect is only in regards to our case where you have a horn which which it's consistently gored with, therefore on that horn it's considered wild, and a horn where it's not consistently gored with the left horn, where it's not considered wild, it's considered tame in regards to that horn. We continue on the top of 46a, but if it's completely wild, according to Rav, there's not going to be any kind of continuation. If you do a Shmir you're going to still have to pay the full amount. It's not going to get you out of the half that's a tam. There is no half that's tam. There is no tame part, according to Rav, the way he understands Rabbi Yehuda.